everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of the Wild Gravity Travelcast. My name is Jim, and today we're going to do something a little different. We don't have a whole lot in industry news to share, really. Uh, we're in the heat of the season now for most of our regional parks, and uh, we do have a special interview with Brian, uh, Mr. Brian Orlando uh, of Orlando Park Pass. That's O-R-L Park Pass. Be sure to check out his videos. He's been doing great reviews on uh, the Hagrid's opening, and uh, since that is our biggest news story, we're going to jump over to that interview just after this in a minute, uh, and that will be pretty much what we talk about. We'll also discuss his trip to Canada, as well as his thoughts on the King's Island happenings and what's been going on with that as we move forward in that process, um, and then just some plans for the future that Brian and I, uh, along with Brent, will be experiencing in the coming weeks, coming month, actually. So we'll have all of that to go over. Um, like I said, there's not a whole lot going on in the news, so we're just going to jump right over to the Hagrid's review. So let's jump on over to that. All right, and we are back with uh, Mr. Brian Orlando joining us again. This is the third time, I believe, correct? Yeah, third time. Third time's a charm. Third time is a charm. And, of course, as I mentioned in our opening, uh, Brian is mainly joining us for some reactions in the coaster enthusiast world uh, to what's going on in my local area. Uh, you all know I've been talking endlessly about what's been happening at Kings Island because that's really all I have to look at up here in Cincinnati right now. Uh, meanwhile, Brian down in Orlando has had a, uh, oh, I don't know, a little coaster open up uh, at Universal Orlando called Hagrid's Too Many Words in This Coaster Title Adventure Through Woods, Dueling Dragons, Grave, etc. Uh but it is like what Hagrid's magical motorbike adventure. Hagrid's magical creatures motorbike adventure. I think oh, that's what it is. I forgot the creatures. <laughs> There's just too many words. We just call it Hagride. I, I I did notice that hashtag trending. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So so towards this, the end of this interview, uh, Brian's going to be giving us his thoughts because he's actually written it, and um, I'm doing my best. And we'll I'll touch on this again. I'm doing my best to not hate or fall in too much love with this coaster before riding it. Uh, a lot of people on hashtag the internet um, have decided that it is the worst coaster ever because they can't accept that Universal has done something better than Disney. And of course, all the Universal fanboys have decided that instantly it's the greatest thing ever. And of course, as Brian and I always love to mention every time he's on, because it's the newest thing, it's automatically the greatest thing. Of course. So um, we'll get back to that, but I'm going to start with uh, the King's Island happenings, and I did touch on this in our opening news and actually pretty much dedicated all of last week's podcast to it. Um, we've got concrete footers above ground at King's Island this week, and uh, I mean, there's not all of them, obviously. We have like the... Looks like the station is coming into form. As far as the above-ground concrete, we've got the transfer area and the break area next to the transfer area, and that's about it. But they are moving very quickly, or as quickly as possible as we can with all of the storms happening up here. Um, 
But Brian, I know you follow our posts and I know you saw the track report that we were first to um, before any other little studio decided to take a drive by. <laughs> um, so you saw the blue color that is likely going to Kings Island. Thankfully, it's blue and not another reddish color. <laughs> um, so what do you what do you think? What what do you think about like the track color and everything going on currently? I, I mean, I love the track color. I love the blue. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to whatever it winds up being, but I'm I'm super excited about it. Okay. Um, are you any bit disappointed to hear or find out that we're currently, as far as the blueprint speculations uh, uh, talk about, it only being a 305 foot tall giga coaster? I mean, so, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. So that <laughs> makes it the it. shortest giga coaster in the world. Yeah. And I mean, it does look short. I mean, a lot of people are calling uh, calling it Diamondback Major. Like, you would call something else uh, whatever light. This is Diamondback Major. Um, yeah. Even I've kind of gotten in a bad habit of saying they're building a taller and faster version of Diamondback. Because it literally does look like on the blueprints it's going out and coming right back. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it'll be good to have another coaster in the area for sure. I, yeah, anything new is good. Right. Agreed. Um, anything to get our local fanboys raving. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just about as bad as those Florida ones sometimes. <laughs> uh, so we had that, and then uh, Grand Carnival started down here. I mentioned, or started up here. I mentioned that before. Uh, the parade floats look really good. Uh, they they actually look on par with Universal's parade floats for Mardi Gras, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it actually looks pretty good. Uh, so I know you're visiting after it's over, sadly, but yeah. <laughs> I will say that too, like they, and we've, we've seen many, uh, universal parade together. I think, I don't think they're on par with Disney's parade floats, uh, but they are on par with universals and universals has some really good floats. Uh, mm -hmm. one of the floats actually reminded me a lot of, oh, um, the Disney parade that used to stop Pixar play parade or whatever it was called before that. Play, yeah. Um, it reminded me of that because it actually does two show stops at Kings Island where they have there's two floats with trampolines and acrobatic stuff like reminds me even that of like the Lion King float in the show, mm -hmm. which for those of you who don't know, fun fact that Lion King, those lion, those floats in the Festival of Lion King used to be in a parade. Yeah. So do you know where? I do not. Good I, I think it was. No, it would have been. I think it was Disneyland, but it may have been actually Animal Kingdom. Like, it may have been before Jam and Jungle. Unless Jam and Jungle opened with the park. I don't even remember. I'm going to have to look that up because I'm very curious. <laughs> I know, but it was in a parade. I, I know that for sure. Yeah. Like those, those were parade floats. I could see it be more at Disneyland than anything else. Yeah. I could just picture it at that park. I wanted to say DCA, but Lion King was way too, bef way too ahead of that. Yeah, yeah. Just like a couple of those parade floats, now we're off topic, but whatever. Uh, a couple of those parade floats in the old Stars and Motor Cars parade were from other parades, and they were just put together. Yeah. Everything's always recycled. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Disney doesn't throw anything away. Nope. Except the terrible Spectra Magic Parade. Oh, 
that could be I another know. conversation for another time. <laughs> um, so I guess since before we before we jump into Hagrid's, is there anything else going on in Orlando, et cetera, you want to talk about? Oh, you went to Canada. Let's talk about that. I've yeah, we can talk about uh, Canada. Uh, Canada's Wonderland was uh, a really nice park. Um, I think I, I did actually tweet that it might be my favorite Cedar Fair park, not for the park itself, just kind of overall the package that it offered. Um, I loved like the themed lands of it. Uh, and it had a pretty good coaster selection as well. Um, there wasn't anything particular that really stood out at the park. Um, and I was there probably like one and a half days, and I was kind of already bored on the second day. Yeah. So just not not any like standout coaster that I would go back to experience again. Um, I really did like, how was it called? The, the Mighty Canadian Mindbuster. Yeah. I thought that was a cool concept that it actually ran through the water park. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was unique. And that dreaded uh, time warp was <laughs> was crazy. And that was my, my 300th coaster. Yes. Congrats on your 300th yeah. <laughs> coaster of step stepladder hell. <laughs> and it did feel like a stepladder. I see exactly what you mean now. <laughs> yep. And that's, uh, yeah. It was a very painful ride, um, but it was unique. So I thought it was kind of good for my, my 300th. Yeah. So what did you think of, uh, because we hear a lot of parody in the talk about hyper coasters. Before we get into the giga coasters, yeah. what did you think of Behemoth? Because there's people that absolutely love Behemoth, yeah. and then there's people that are just eh. Yep, I, I'll go to say that that was my favorite ride at the park. Um, okay. I, I did, I was a fan of it. I will, actually, that was the coaster I rode the most um, while I was there. Uh, I loved how it went over the water. Um, I thought it was just—it was just a beautiful ride. I just enjoyed every second of it. Um, I mean, it's not the fastest coaster. There's a lot of slow parts to it, um, but I, I, I think that was my favorite one at the park. Agreed. Um, so you've been on some other hyper coasters, uh, be other B and M hypers. Let's stick with the B and M uh, because we all know that Magnum is the best hyper coaster in the world. <laughs> um, so. Well, many would argue. Um, so you've been on, let's say, like Diamondback. You like Behemoth more than Diamondback? Yeah, I would say I like it more than Diamondback, yeah. Mako? Hmm, that, that's a tough one. Mako is very dear to my heart, so... <sighs> Mine too. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to say it's not better than Mako. Mako still is one of my favorite coasters. I think Mako is... Uh, I mean, personally, right now for me, maybe different for you. And again, we're getting to the hag ride in a minute. Uh, Mako is the best coaster in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I will say that hands down with a sec, a very close second place on Montu. I would agree. Yeah, Montu's Montu's way up there too in Florida. A solid coaster, and who knows? Maybe maybe that RMC starts to tip the scale for you. Crossing my fingers. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, I know you're in the crowd that uh, we'll give a quick shout out to at Online Hide Andrew. Um, he, him and I seem to be the only two that still think Fury is overrated. <laughs> um, not that it's a bad coaster. Both of us have said we don't think it's a bad coaster. It's mm -hmm. just we don't understand the hype and the love. 
that yeah. you and other geek of thrills appreciate it for. <laughs> um, so Leviathan, what's your takeaway from Leviathan? Because you've now, as of right now, you've ridden every giga coaster in North America. I, I thought Leviathan was a like a Fury Junior. It looked like it was trying so hard to kind of mimic Fury, but I mean, it was a great ride. I loved it. It's just it wasn't up there in my top. Did you know that Leviathan was supposed to be at Kings Island? No, I did not. Yep. See, and now I will say something I continue to say controversial. <laughs> I like Leviathan about 10 times better than Fury. Of course. What? <laughs> it has a nicer tunnel. It has a nicer entrance area flyover. It does. It does. I would There's agree with that. There's a nicer that. entrance period at Canada's Wonderland. You got to say that. Yes, yes. Compared to Carowinds. Um, and I think it packs a bigger punch. And yeah, you I know mean, what else it doesn't good. have, Brian? It doesn't what? have fake airtime. <laughs> no, even, it's just, uh... even Mako has fake airtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I just, uh, I mean, it wasn't my favorite in the park. I'm glad you liked Behemoth, though. A lot of people don't really attach yeah. themselves to Behemoth, and I, I really like that. I think it's easily one of my three favorite VNM hyper coasters. Yeah, no, I'll agree with that. Um, and, I was a little disappointed in the, um, the Wonder Mountain Guardian. I mean, I'm not yeah. a huge, you know, shooter 40 type. Uh, okay, well, and that's why you were disappointed. <laughs> I, just, I thought it was just very cheap-looking, and maybe it's showing its age now, you know, but it's just, the whole entire thing just looked cheap, and that's the one thing that just bothered me throughout the whole thing. The drop was awesome, the drop track. Um, I yeah. think that was the most intense one I've been on. Um, and we'll talk about Hag Ride in a little bit, but um, <laughs> definitely... Uh, Wonder Mountain had the best drop track element, I think, out of the ones I've been on. And I've only been on Revolt and, and that one, and Hagride. But. Um, well, believe it or not, we've gone like five minutes talking about Canada's Wonderland, and we haven't <laughs> talked about their new coaster, uh, which tells you what I think of dive coasters, overrated, mm -hmm. cheap, uh, and uh, what was the word I always use? Uh, gimmicky. There gimmicky. it is. Yeah, gimmicky. Yep. So... On paper to me, and again, trying not to judge before I get to ride something, on paper, Yukon Striker looks like the best dive coaster in the world. Mm -hmm. You've been on Griffin and Shikra and Valraven. Yep. You haven't been on Oblivion in the UK. I have not. Okay, so we'll just... What you've been on, since you've now been on Yukon... Mm -hmm. Out of the four, is Yukon the best dive coaster? Okay, so let me let me just kind of preface this. I I like yourself am not a dive coaster fan. Uh, I like you said they're gimmicky, but if I had to choose one out of the ones I've been on, yes, Yukon has the best overall package for a dive coaster. Um, the tunnel is not as great as it made it out to be and the you know all the drawings and everything we saw before uh, but it's a cool concept that it goes kind of underground and it's a long coaster um, yeah, for a dive I, coaster yeah <laughs> for a dive coaster but again it's a dive coaster so there's not really 
there's nothing special to it, but out of the ones I've written, uh, I think Yukon is definitely my favorite. Uh, the, the cool system too, where it takes your items and brings in a little conveyor belt. I thought that was kind of a neat concept. I, I wish all the parks did that. I think that's super handy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good ride. It's just um, a dive coaster. So. Right. So did you get a chance to ride on like one of the outside seats, like not hanging over the track? Did you get to ride on the outside? Yep, I did. I did. So what is, because this is the first time we've ever seen this on a dive coaster, and this is one of the things they really promoted. What is the vertical loop like on a dive coaster? Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's a different feeling for sure. Um, but I mean, it's not, again, it's nothing special. I mean, it was just, um, it is, is it comparable to like being on a vertical loop of a wing coaster? Yeah, it would be more similar to that. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's kind that's, of the same type of feel you'd experience on it. That's, that's how I imagine it is like yep. going through the loop on gatekeeper when it doesn't valley and, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, other wing coasters. Okay. Well, that's, yep. that's all, that's all I was wondering about that. I mean, yeah, like you said, that's I'm not rushing to get up to Yukon Striker. I have all the credits right there, unless I'm on like some massive Canadian upstate New York road trip. Yeah, there's no rush to go see it. I mean, when you get up there next, ride it. I mean, it's just not going to blow you away. But again, I'm not a huge dive coaster fan, so right, none of them ever will. <laughs> and uh, well, you don't say that now. Be careful. <laughs> I said that about wing coasters, and you know, in another month or so, we're going to ride the only launching wing coaster. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that as well. I'm, I hope I haven't hyped it up too much because I hear too many people in this area rave about it. Yeah. Uh, which you don't hear me hyping up Voyage because I haven't found the hype on it yet. So. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but one more thing on Canada's Wonderland. I know I'm making you wait so long to talk about Hagrid's. It's, um, it's killing you. I know. <laughs> Uh, but you mentioned it a couple times to me, and I warned you about it before you went. What is the worst part about Canada's Wonderland, Brian? <laughs> yeah, and I was actually going to tack that on to the end here. So, wow, where do I begin? Food service and food <laughs> are both horrendous. And, I mean, the Cedar Fair parks I've been to, and I, granted, I haven't been to all of them, I have had very pleasant experiences with both the quality of the food and the food service overall. Canada's Wonderland, not so much. Uh, <laughs> they have the longest lines. Uh, I think they probably violate some type of Canadian health code. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second. But the lines are ridiculous. And when you actually finally get your food, the food, I had several different um, lunch and dinner type options. Everything was bad. Like there wasn't anything. I mean, I compare it to like a, a Six Flags meal. That's how bad it was. Um, but particularly like all the places I have the, the dining plan and every place that had the dining plan was just swamped with people. Uh, and then the food service, they don't, they don't take any, um, initiative to go any faster. They just, they're the slowest, slowest, slowest people. Um, there was a girl, I had a, uh, spaghetti and meatball, uh, type meal one night and, she gave me kind of a lukewarm meatball with lukewarm spaghetti. Ooh. And the whole time she's like sniffling her nose, wearing the same pair of gloves. I'm like, this is going to violate all these health codes. You know, it's like, what are you doing? And again, she had a huge line and she was not putting any type of effort to go any faster. Wow. So 
just miserable. Um, the last day I was there, I didn't even stay for dinner. Um, I, I left and went somewhere else. I don't blame you. Yeah. Did you go to Did you go to a McDonald's because you know they have poutine up there? I did not. I actually went to a, a Wendy's there for dinner. Okay. Um, they have tons and, of fast food. Yes, and A and W up there is actually far superior to our A and W. They serve. I, I almost the, went there. The best poutine I've had up there in a fast food place was at A&W on a rest stop driving into the area, too. So I, I really liked uh, Tim Hortons, too. I had to yes. go to Oh, the yeah, that's right. You've never pants. been. Um, yeah. We have Tim Hortons up here in the Midwest in several locations. So huh. if you want to ever go to Tim Hortons when you're up our way. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely a fan of it. I went, well, I mean, they're everywhere in Canada. So Yep. Oh, yeah. He was a famous hockey player. He played yep. for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's from the area, Canada up there. So yes, he has, yeah. and they're actually now owned. I was hoping that when it happened, uh, we would see more hit, uh, the U S and they would try to overtake Dunkin' Donuts or, uh, Krispy Kreme, which Krispy Kreme's kind of faded, but you yeah. know, I was kind of hoping they'd try to overtake Dunkin' Donuts because they have a far superior product and oh, I don't, I like, I don't yeah. like coffee, but as far as donuts are concerned, um, they have a um, mocha coffee that is just incredible. So it's like a chocolate, like picture a hot chocolate mixed with a coffee. Um, it was absolutely ridiculously good. And all their, like I tried some donuts and some cookies and stuff. Everything was just so oh, yeah. good. Timbits. Did you have any Timbits? No, I did not. Oh, Timbits <laughs> were the best. I buy it. You, if you go to, uh, I mean, I know you're not a sports fan. If you ever go to like a hockey game, like an NHL hockey game, yeah, every arena, even the one in Tampa, has a Tim Hortons, and you can buy a little box of Tim Bits, oh. and it's basically like buying little donut holes. Wow! So, yeah, I'll have to try it out. All right, well, we've crossed that twenty-minute line of the interview. <laughs> I I guess we got to get to the big thing. Yeah. Um. So, oh, we're out of time. Uh, we'll have to talk to Brian next week about the. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So. Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, too long of a name for a coaster or any ride at any park, <laughs> has now opened yes. at the Universal Orlando Resort to much anticipation and sadness for the B&M fans as it, finally, it puts <laughs> the final nail in the coffin on the Dragon Challenge, which to me, when you named it Dragon Challenge and stopped the dueling, it was dead anyway. It was. Agreed. Um, but... That's the past, and we'll move to the future. So, Hagrid's. Um, let's start with the positives. Let's start with the ride. and Well, not the positives. Let's start with just your review of the ride, and then we'll get to the opening day, day after opening day, <laughs> the fiascos on fiascos. Yeah. Um, overall, it, it's a completely different type of ride experience. I, I can say it's probably the most unique ride in Orlando right now, um, just because it has a little bit of dark ride elements. It has the coaster elements. It has the launches. Um, and honestly, in all the years I've been in Orlando, um, I have not walked off a ride smiling, goosebumps, almost in tears of how happy I was. And that's not exaggerating anything. Um, but that was this ride really impacted me and just to see other people talking about it online and feeling the same way I did after riding it um, could kind of tell you how special this ride is. Um, I've been 
praying that Universal would do something like this for years. Um, and I mean, the last thing that they've built that I truly, truly love um, was the Mummy. I mean, I rode the Mummy over and over and over and oh over. Oh my gosh, I love that. So, um, but ever since then, I felt like they've gone in a, a downward spiral of you know the screen sensations and making all these screen rides. And I mean, Kong was good. But again, it's screens. Um, so this ride kind of went back to that kind of old school universal feel. Um, and I think that's why I've kind of been attached to it. Um, but overall, the whole ride experience, it's, it's thrilling from the beginning to the end. There's not a dull point in the ride. And what's unique about this launch coaster is the launches just blend in with everything. So automatically, you'll just be going on the track and you hit another launch, and you hit another launch. Um, and it's just, it's, a, it's an amazing ride from start to finish. I don't think there's a moment that you're going to get bored, or it just constantly keeps going and going and going. Uh, the, the drop track is unique. Um, it's not intense at all. Um, so if you're thinking like the Verbolton drop, it's, it's not that intense. Um, it feels like literally you're dropping on a little elevator. And it's, I mean, it's cool. Would you um, compare that to like a Transformers thing where you barely realize it's going on or? I realize it's going because, I mean, there's definitely a drop, but it's not the intense drop that you have. Like, Verbolton's a little bit more rough, I think. Right, um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's not, yeah. I don't think it's intense, but I think you can definitely feel the, the almost Yeah, this one's more of a. You don't feel like a free fall, basically. Yeah, more of like an elevator drop okay. feel, if that, that makes sense. It does. Um, Kind of like a Tower of Terror type feel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, everything is great. I love the dark ride elements of it. Um, I, I always want to point out this because I don't think I've mentioned this online. That it has one of the best onboard audio systems. Ooh. And I don't know a lot of people have talked about it yet, but it's just super crystal clear and it's loud. It's in your face. It's just, it's great. So um, I did want to kind of touch on that too. Okay. Um, all right. So let's. Uh, I'll, I'll ask a few questions about the ride experience because obviously yeah. I haven't done it yet. Um, so we have these dark ride type of coaster blend situation like you talked about. Yeah. Um, and as far as, let's start. Let's start at your reaction about you talked about getting off the ride and feeling joy and happiness and. I know yeah. you've told me, in disclaimer, you've seen the Harry Potter movies but have not read the books. Yeah. So sure. so are these characters in the movies? or yeah, I mean, Most of the things in uh, on the ride are, yes, are from the movies. There's that one creature that's from the book, that looks scorpion-looking thing. I can't think of its name right now. Um, but that is just in the books. Okay. Um, but, I mean, you could be a non- Harry Potter fan and ride this and still walk off with this this joy and happiness. It's just see fun and, ride. and and you saying that gives me a lot of hope because I do not did not like the Pandora franchise at all mm -hmm. and just the score and the ride yep. itself the uniqueness of Flight of Passage like it it, it gave me a similar reaction of yeah. what uh, you talked about for Hagrid's. Yeah, and actually, I can go back. Yeah, actually, Flight of Passage did the same, had the same feeling when I got off of that. Um, so I'll kind of retract my statement. That did have the same. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I remember you being like that when we were doing the ride together that first day. And But I mean, just walking up and 
you know, seeing the motorbikes for the first time on the conveyor belt, I mean, they're just, they're themed so well. I mean, I've, I don't think I've seen a ride vehicle with that much detail. Um, and they're super comfortable. Like it is a super comfortable seat. Um, so just kind of when I walked in and just saw them for the first time, I was just like, just this awe and amazement of it. Uh, so it, it's, it's just incredible. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I want to ask about the ride. Okay. So before we get into the, what happened and everything with opening, as we know, can always be chaos. And I think universal escalated on their own term. Uh, so you've been on, let's see, three, three new coasters for 2019 now. Yeah. Yukon Copperhead and this, mm -hmm. and we touched on Yukon enough that to know that it's yeah. just another gimmicky dive coaster, but, it's the best there is right now. Um, so Copperhead Strike. Let's take away a lot of the the theming elements. Mm -hmm. And let's just focus on, like, the coaster. If you take away the theming elements, and I'm saying take away the theming elements of Copperhead, too, by all means. Take away yeah. the, what theming is there. Mm -hmm. and take away the Hagrid's theming. Yeah. What, do we, what coaster is better? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know, because you're completely different because um, uh, we have I mean but they, we have multi launches on both we have yeah, you know, um, we do have inversions on copperhead which we don't on the inver the inversions is the, is the only thing that would stray me towards copperhead but I think overall coaster wise I would think I think Hagrid's would win okay fair enough do you think Hagrid's is the best new ride of 2019 I do I do yep okay <laughs> and you'll be able to put these words online on, to the test when uh, when you experience Galaxy's Edge in the fall. Yeah, that's going to be the, the big deciding factor, um, and we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely think out of the new rides I've ridden this year, um, Hagrid's did, does win. And, I mean, I know Brent and I have discussed uh, at length a couple times at home personally, uh, you know, everybody has a different opinion of what, what a coaster is and mm -hmm. for me like yes the theming can make and break a coaster uh yeah. but i hate to say that like we we have universal people saying that and of course you know fanboys uh i'll let you take your fanboy hat off now for this part <laughs> because i know you will we have universal fanboys already proclaiming this to be the best coaster in the world and we have people yeah. we have bloggers like already saying proclaiming we've never seen them anywhere but Orlando and Disneyland, but mm -hmm. we have bloggers proclaiming that they've been on 500 plus coasters mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah. In, so, you know, videos and put it to you this way. There are ton more thrilling and intense coasters in the world. I think honestly, right now it might be the best ride in Orlando. Um, but I mean, it, it's definitely not the best coaster going to just the coaster elements that I've ever been on. So I think that's a little bit of a stretch to say that the ride is the, is the best in the world or the best coaster in the world. Um, but for what we have in these parks here, I definitely think it's, it's up there. If not the best, um, one in Orlando, uh, definitely okay. here. I mean, that's, that's perfectly fair. And I, I mean, I'm don't discredit other people's opinion for anything, but yeah. you know, I just wanted to point out, we have even like coaster enthusiast experts on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> proclaiming this could be a top five coaster in the world 
No. And, you know, someone like me who hasn't written it kind of gets a, I guess you could say, yeah, I get a little bit of an emotional reaction. I'm like, these people have not been on Steel Vengeance. That's my <laughs> first thought. It's like, I don't care yeah. about your story. I don't care about your creatures and your animatronics on the side yeah. of the road. Come up and ride <laughs> something like Steel yeah, I mean, Vengeance and tell me. Like, you know, like I said, I think I said in the last podcast, now that I've ridden all these coasters, I'm looking for the craziest and fastest. And, you know, that's me. But for a person that wants, you know, a, a family coaster and, and you know, you're not going to get the there's thrills on it. And it, it's there's fast moments, but it's not as insane as Steel Vengeance. By any right. Means. Yeah. Nothing you know, is. So saying it's the best coaster in the world. No. I mean, Steel Vengeance has that spot. Um, well, and I mean, now, now put the brakes on that, though, like because, again, you have to see how you judge a coaster to be the best. Some people yeah. say the best coaster in the world is is something that provides them a thrill while also telling them a story and taking them through a thematic experience. I Other think Seven Dwarves are... Mine Train is the best coaster in the world. Huh? Seven Dwarves Mine Train is the best coaster in the world. Right, right, <laughs> right. By those standards, somebody could legit legitimately say that. To me, that makes it the best, like you said, overall ride or best... Right. You know, as I kind of feel about it, yes, there's a lot of coaster element to this ride, but to me, I would almost rather rank it in a dark ride category than a coaster category, because it doesn't seem fair for me, the way I put my standards, to put it up against a Steel Vengeance, even a Fury 325 yeah. or, or Millennium Force. or It's not even in the same category. I mean, it's, it's, they're completely different ride experiences. And I think I would put this more in like a family coaster and yeah, dark ride category. So let's go. Let's go there then. It's the best family coaster in the world. I would go far, so far as to say that yes. Okay, that's fair. I would. Yeah. I would give. I mean, I would, and I would perfectly. You know, that's perfectly fine. And I think but, that's what they were going for is to have that kind of family coaster at the park. Right. Right. So I mean, mission accomplished, and that's that's good for them. So uh, we're going kind of deep into the thing here. Let's just uh, yeah. take me through your uh, your opening day trials and tribulations, and then <laughs> how we've already seen the wait time fade already through the last couple yeah, of days. Yeah, and actually, just in right now, uh, Universal announced saying that for the next few weeks, Hagrid's will open at 12 p.m. every day, so the tech team can pr fix all the issues. Oh. <laughs> If only so there, there was a, a unique concept called a soft opening that would yeah. have helped them uh, work yeah. out these unique issues. <laughs> um, but as far as my experience, I mean, I know Jake uh, had a, a much worse experience yes. than I did. Um, but just going from my personal experience, I, I went on a Saturday. Um, I was not going to join in the crowd. And I, you know, I have work anyway, so I couldn't even have made it if I wanted to. But I went Saturday morning, uh, got to the garage about close to 6.30, uh, was at the gates of Islands of Adventure, uh, 6.45, 7. They opened the gates at 8, um, and I was ready in the queue. Probably the first couple hundred or so people. Um, the queue went very smooth. I love that they had team members everywhere kind of hyping everybody up. Um, very good at just going, telling where everybody to go, kind of uh, organized a queue. They had snacks out. They had beer. They had free water. Um, 
and it just was a very smooth process. We kind of wrapped around and um, went through Poseidon's backstage and then came out kind of in uh, Hogsmeade. And I pretty much, I mean, we were walking almost the entire time. I think there was one stop in the queue um, to wait for the ride to open, and then it was pretty much smooth sailing. And I opted to go um, and skip the pre-show, so I did the single rider line, um, and I was off the ride by 9.22. Very <laughs> so impressive. It was a really smooth experience for me. And, you know, granted, I didn't go through the whole pre-show and see all the queue, um, but I was on it for the ride. You know, I, I wanted to see that. Um, but I definitely want to go back and kind of experience what I missed with the queue. Okay. But really good experience. I know I've heard <laughs> nightmare stories. So oh, yeah. I think they really got it together by Saturday. Uh, so my experience was great. Uh, so we'll close out on this one. Um, and this is just a personal opinion and you've seen it. I mean, a lot more on social media because you've been following it, trying to figure out when you were going to go and try it and everything. Yeah. Um, and this is this is not to take anything away from the hardworking techs on site at Universal. Um, I know they work really hard. Um, they did when I worked there. They always worked their their butts off to keep the rides going, especially considering you know up here we have parks that close and and have an off season where you get all off season huh. to like really figure things out. At Universal and Disney and all them, they don't get anything, <laughs> you know, unless they take the ride down for a massive refurbishment, which for Hagrid's they won't do for at least two, three years, I would imagine, unless yeah. Intamin, unless Intamin dictates otherwise. <laughs> uh, but I mean, and it's not to take anything away from the team members and everything trying their hardest, but what do you make of the speculation from opening day mm -hmm. that Universal purposefully chose? to run five trains instead of their 12 to increase their line and gain their marketing hype and get their, basically they got free media coverage after giving away media coverage to everybody two, three days beforehand. Yeah. Who of course had nothing but stellar things to say about it. And apparently it is a stellar coaster worthy, worthy of that say for once, which we don't, you know, you wouldn't know otherwise if you had just listened to those bloggers. Right. Um, but I mean, what do you make of that? Do you, do so, you so think here's my that? Take on, here's my take on it. I think it's kind of twofold. So, yes, I 100% agree they wanted the hype and the media coverage from it and everybody posting about how long the line is. I mean, that, that draws attention. However, I don't think the ride was ready. Um, and just proof that this, you know, announcement operations update came up from Universal just proves everything we've been saying on Park Pass, this ride was not ready. Right. And I don't think they could run trains more than what they ran the first day. I don't think they could have ran more trains the second day. I think they're gradually working up to that, but I think they should have figured it out before they opened the ride to the general public. And this is where, you know, softs are so, you know, important. Um, I think that Universal rushes to open rides. They do it all the time. It's mm -hmm. with Gringotts. Um, we saw it with Fallon. Yeah, with Fallon. So, I mean, it's just they rush, 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 and they don't do adequate testing. Um, but I know all the fanboys out there, the majority of the internet is saying, oh, yeah, the ride is 100% ready. Um, it was good to go. It's in, they've been doing testing for months. Well, then explain what Universal just put out right now. <laughs> so, right, right, um, exactly, yeah. It needs more testing, and they're admitting to it. It needs more time um, to test and make programming adjustments to it. It's just what has to happen. 
Right. But and, I think they enjoyed all the media coverage. <laughs> right. Right. And and they yeah, so I yeah, I would agree with that that it was twofold. Yeah. I don't think they were ready, but at the same time they said, well, what's the worst that could happen with only running half or less than half of our trains? Yeah. Oh, the worst that could happen, sir, is that we're going to have a line as big as when the original Hogsmeade opened. <laughs> oh, sounds good to me. We got tons of coverage out of that. Disney hasn't had that sort of thing happen in a long time, you know, yeah. and we see the constant badgering from Universal fanboys about how Disney never has lines as long as Universal, so that makes Universal better. No, that makes Universal worse at handling crowds. Right. I mean, I hate the line-jumping system that is FastPass and Express, so as far as I'm concerned, if you have to live with it in this society, you might as well enjoy it where it's done better, and it's done best at Disney. Yep. <laughs> So what's interesting, too, about the ride is I haven't gotten a, a clear answer of how many trains they could actually run. Right. Um, so in speaking to a couple of the team members, some told me eight was the max. And then now I find out they're saying it's 12. So right. we don't really know how many trains right. could actually. I don't think they even know, to be honest. I um, mean, now, but, to go to your other favorite coaster that you talked about, Mummy, and this is yeah. from work experience there. Mummy has, I believe it's 13 or 14 RVs. Yeah. The max the system can run, and that's if you're running a full crew, old school four loaders on each station, and two unloaders at unload to make sure the ride keeps moving at Mummy. Uh, mm -hmm. The max you can go even with that is 13. Right, right. So Universal is known for buying extra trains, and I wouldn't be surprised with Intamin, especially mm -hmm. with Intamin, that they wouldn't go out and buy a couple extra trains, knowing the strain that these trains are going to take out on the track, and oh, yeah. on the and who knows what the drop track is doing to the maintenance thing. When Verbolton opened, I mean, I didn't ride it the first few seasons that it was there, but I heard nothing but constant mechanical nightmares, and that's not an Intamin yeah. coaster. Remember that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So well, if if it does reach the twelve trains, I think this is going to be great for capacity. Oh, but oh, I mean, yeah. they have to get there. So yeah. Um, Again, I think that they rushed. I think they wanted to get this ride open. I think they were, of course, they're nervous of Galaxy's Edge. You know, they're they're trying to one up, and I mean, they they have a great product, but I think it just needed a little bit more time to be tested and programmed. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. Interview went a thanks. little longer than I thought it was going to, but yeah. I'm glad we got to catch up and talk about everything. I yes. think we'll have you on very soon. I think I'm uh, planning in a few weeks, maybe a couple weeks, maybe even while you're up here, uh, we'll record an episode of our adventures. And uh, oh. I also want to record a special episode of uh, controversial park issues I've been working on a list for. So Ooh. I'll have those to pick your brain on. Uh, as we get closer to it, I will enlighten you ahead of time. But uh, So we'll have that coming up. Uh, and I think you're good. And we did touch on that with the fast pass thing. That's one of the controversial park issues. Oh, um, yeah. Fast passes. Yes. So um, with that all being said, go ahead and give us all your links and I'll wrap us up. Absolutely. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Mr. Brian Orl and at Orl Park Pass on OrlParkPass.com. Um, and we've been covering um, Hagride. Uh, for the last couple of days, so go check us out um, on our, our Twitter. All right. Yep, and I know I mentioned you guys in the in our opening before the interview as well. Yep. Uh, and you guys have had really good coverage, and as I tell people all the time, uh, um, 
you guys have the most honest coverage, in my opinion. Uh, and shout out to Orlando uh, Online High at Online Hide. Um, he's got a little bit of a blog too. He wrote, he did a nice article and a video uh, for In the Loop, uh, walking through the queue, so you can see the whole queue experience on their page yeah. as well. So quick shout out to him because uh, he actually gave a good honest review, similar to that. You know, talking about how it's close to the best new dark ride, but you know, obviously, Family Coaster is a good way, like we described it. Um, so yeah, yeah, good. Definitely check out those links, folks. Uh, check out Park Pass if you haven't already. Uh, they are our favorite Orlando affiliate now that we don't really cover Orlando that hardcore anymore. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so my name is Jim from WildGravityTravels.com. We've been covering Kings Island as I talk about endlessly and probably too much for everybody to hear. Uh, we've been covering that. Be sure to check out our website. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and this podcast as we will be putting out weekly episodes. And some, uh, as I teased a minute ago, uh, some more controversial talk coming up in the next few weeks as well. So uh, that's going to wrap us up for this longer episode. Thanks for sticking with us. If you listened through all the way and made it to this point, congratulations, or you're stuck in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> um, have a great week ahead, everybody, and we will see you at the parks.